Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. So glad you're here with us today. Today, we're going to tackle some myths, some things that, you know, maybe you've been told that don't necessarily serve you in your life and your business. Um, You know, there are a lot of things that we, uh, you know, we just all say they've been around forever. They become uh, phrases that we accept as part of our um, our modern way of thinking. Um, sometimes we expect them to mean one thing when in truth they started out meaning something different. Now that doesn't always necessarily mean that what we believe it means is not what it means anymore. It could be that over the course of time, that particular phrase has morphed. Sometimes, though, it really just comes down to a lack of understanding as to what um, what that phrase really means, what it was really meant for, and how it can best uh, serve you, if you will, in what you're using and what you're using it for. Um, you know, a perfect example of a word that um, has really changed from what it originally was known for to what we use it for now would be the phrase dead ringer. Now, I don't know if any of you know the origin of the of the phrase dead ringer, but literally a dead ringer was when a person died, um, you know, especially during some of the plagues that they had, they would tie a um they would tie a string around their hand and that string would go up and out of the grave and up to a bell up above ground. And so if a person was buried accidentally because they were more like comatose or, um, you know, other things that back in the day we couldn't medically necessarily tell that the person was actually still alive <laughs> when we thought they were dead, um, you know, that gave them the ability. And there was literally people that would sit outside of the grave for a certain amount of time. Um, and if that bell rang, um, they were a, quote-unquote, dead ringer. Um, you know, today the phrase dead ringer t- typically means, you know, that that could really pass for the other thing. You know, that's a dead ringer for, you know, whatever you do say. And, and often we use it that way. But it's interesting how uh, words and phrases can morph like that. Um, and today we want to really dive into some things in our business uh, especially that are common, but are very commonly misconstrued, mistaught, um, you know, what have you, and le- can very easily lead us down a very bad, if not extremely dangerous path. The first one that I want to talk about before our first break here, I want to talk about the concept of word of mouth is the best form of marketing. Um, And I want to hopefully dispel that myth right off the top here um, of this episode because, um, you know, word of mouth, uh, it's, it's a slippery, very scary slope. Do you want people saying good things about you and your business? Uh, both in person as well as out on the internet, you know, social media, things like that has huge impact on us. But as far as advertising goes or marketing your business, so there's a difference between good recommendations, people saying good things about you, uh, you know, good customer service and, and your clients liking and referring people to you, and word of mouth being good form of marketing and advertising for your company. Because the thing about it is, is you have no control over that. Um, and I hope that for the most part, I'm not a huge control freak in life, probably am, but um, in this particular case, it's not about uh, the control so much from a bad standpoint as it is 
in order to market your company, in order to grow it, to advertise yourself, you need to have things out there that um, are consistent and that people can know and rely on. Um, so think about some of the major brands. Um, you know, of course, Coca-Cola always comes to mind because they do a great job of marketing and advertising. And over the years, um, you know, there's been all kinds of jingles, all kinds of songs. You know, I'd like to teach the world to sing and, you know, buy the world a Coke. Uh, you know, all of those different kind of things. I, I love at Christmas time the polar bears that Coca-Cola uses. The point being is, is that they consistently handle how their brand, they're the ones that go out on purpose and put the messaging out there for them. Um, they don't just hope that people are saying nice things about them. The problem that we run into with word of mouth advertising is you just really don't know what the people are going to say. So I'm not necessarily saying they're going to say bad things about you, although they could do that too if you're 100% reliant on word of mouth. As a rule of thumb, typically speaking, when it comes to customer service, um, you know, you will find that a person who's disgruntled will talk to a minimum of about 10 other people and share with them their quote-unquote bad experience. Doesn't mean that you did bad, but that's just what they found from their experience with you and what they've shared. And often, um, if a person who's had a good experience with you shares it at all, it's to about one person. So it's about a 10 to 1 ratio of uh, bad press versus good press. And so first of all, when you're relying only on word of mouth, you're relying on less than 10% of the people who are going to be talking about you um, you know, or rather less than 10% of the people that are going to hear people talking about you, hearing a good message about you. So that's dangerous and scary. Secondly is, is that if they had an experience with you that's outside of the norm, that may have been a really great experience. You may have gone the extra mile for somebody and done something for them that, you know, isn't necessarily a part of the business that you want to keep as part of your normal business system. And you don't necessarily want somebody out there saying, yeah, and this person did all this work for me and they were available. I called this person at two o'clock in the morning and they picked up the phone and answered it and took care of my problem right then. Now, some of our companies have 24 seven tech support or different, you know, customer service lines. Most of us don't. Most of us, you know, as small businesses, we every once in a while do something silly like sleep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And because of that, um, you know, then if a person is out there talking about how great of a job you did and how they were able to call you at 2 o'clock in the morning, other people are like, oh, well, I, they took her call at 2 o'clock in the morning, so maybe I can call at 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm having a problem. And it can very quickly go from something that you did for whatever reason, legitimate or just not, you didn't think about it, whatever, um, into something that becomes the standard practice for your company even though you don't want it to be. And you've heard many guests on the show talk about the fact that one of the things that they had to learn in order to really succeed as an entrepreneur was boundaries, was when it was time to just simply not be working. It's the hardest thing we, as entrepreneurs, small business owners that we struggle with, is taking the time off, taking the time for ourselves. Um, and so if the word of mouth is saying great things about you, but they're putting you into a corner where um, you can have absolutely no lifestyle whatsoever, is that really what you want out there being advertised? Um, you know, and of course, if the person is saying negative things about you, of course you don't want to. At the end of the day, the biggest piece of it is, is that you want consistency in messaging. So imagine for a minute, let's go back to Coca-Cola, that every time you saw a Coke commercial, it was totally different in the messaging. They, you know, one of them was like, go to your local store, grab a Coke, you know, and the other one was like, Coca-Cola, the best thing you can buy at the movie theater, you know, and, and all of those are true. But if every time you're hearing about Coca-Cola, you're hearing 
you know, totally different messaging. It's not consistent. The platform isn't consistent. You're not totally sure uh, where you can get it. Um, you know, Coca-Cola at this point is is broad and wide enough that pretty much anywhere you go to, you can probably get one. But as they were building that, if they hadn't built a consistency in with that, people might, you know, relegate Coca-Cola to being something that, for example, you can only get um, at a ballpark. Um, you know, things like, uh, you know, the peanuts that are m very much a part of a baseball game. Hot roasted peanuts, you know, and they will serve them to you. And you've probably even seen on TV them throwing it to people and stuff like that. Um, you know, that's very much branded as being part of the experience for being at a baseball game. And, uh, and that's great. Um, you know, when you think of going there, most of us, when we think of going to a movie, we think of movie popcorn and movie popcorn is a completely different concept than whether it be stove popped or, you know, these days, mostly microwave popcorn, totally different things for people that, you know, like popcorn, um, you know, and, uh, and so it's a very different type of marketing. There are some great uh, products that you can buy in, um, you know, in bag form from the grocery store that you couldn't go into, for example, a movie theater um, or a venue at a concert or something like that and get little bags of them over the counter. It's just not how they sell their product. Um, like I said, some companies are Coca-Cola and they're big enough, they're everywhere. Most of us were small enough that we have to choose where, our, where we are in the market and what we're going to make available. And so again, with word of mouth advertising, it can very quickly become something that um, with all the best of intentions, and I'm not even going into what about if somebody's saying something bad about you, but with all the best of intentions, people are leading your brand in a direction that you don't really want it to go. And at the end of the day, your messaging is something that you really need to take control of. So um, it's not that you don't want people out there on social media saying great things about you or all that kind of thing, but the more that you can focus that message, you can give people things to say about you. You know, would you mind posting to your social media this statement? I'll give you a perfect one that has exactly to do with books, since that's what Kathy and I do all the time. Um, have you ever read reviews on the back of books? Um, you know, really popular books, you know, Stephen King, Terry Brooks, big authors like that. Even more so when you see their name on the back of a new author's book and you're like, oh, well, Terry Brooks said this is, you know, a great new artist that I just really loved their reading, you know, their writing or whatever. All of those reviews, almost always, um, are actually pre-written typically by their press people and are sent out to select people to target them to be comments on the back of the book. And they tell them up front, we'd like to put a comment from you on the back of the book. Here's three options. Which one of those would you prefer to say? Or is there something else about this story um, that you really feel like you'd like to say? And nine times out of ten, they pick one of them. Um, or they pick something similar to that. And um, and that's how that review actually makes it on the back of the book. We can do that same thing in social media ourselves to begin to guide the brand in the direction that we want it to go. Does that make sense? And so you can still have word of mouth. I'm not telling you to stop using it, but I am telling you that when you allow yourself to understand that you having a brand message and you controlling that brand message, that in the end is going to be the best form of marketing that you can do. Um, think about that one. Think, uh, Give it a little bit of thought, maybe even hashtag thriving entrepreneur and put some comments out on Facebook and Twitter while you're listening to this commercial. And we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? 
over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur. I have to laugh at myself. I was actually listening to the outtake from that as I'm here in the studio putting together uh, this week's show. Um, And I just got done telling you, you know, control the narrative. Don't just let people say whatever they want to say. And then I concluded the segment by saying, now go out on to social media and say something nice about us and remember to hashtag thriving entrepreneur. So here's what I'd actually like you to do. I'd like you to go out onto Twitter or Facebook um, and I'd like you to use the hashtag thriving entrepreneur but I'd like you to hashtag I control my brand messaging hashtag thriving entrepreneur so that's what I'd like you to post I control my brand messaging hashtag thriving entrepreneur See, that's a perfect example of the difference between the two because some of you may have gone out and posted something. And the question becomes is, what did you post? Oh, I really love Thriving Entrepreneur. It's a great show. You know, or Steve Kidd, he just goes on and on some days. He rambles on and I just don't even know what he means. I mean, who knows what you said? Um, Or maybe you said nothing. And any of those ways, that is a perfect example of the difference between just leaving it wide open and letting uh, word of mouth being the best form of advertising um, and really actually controlling your brand messaging. So I hope that helped a little bit. And uh, I'm glad that my faux pas hopefully can help you, uh, you know, make it a little better and, and grow your business. Um, you know, here's the thing that I want to talk to you next. Um, it has to do with the concept of sales and marketing. Um, now, just to give you a little bit of background real quick, I started selling when I was five years old. Some of you have heard that story. Um, if you haven't, go back and listen to the episode where uh, Cece, uh, you know, Cece, her last name is President now. Uh, I think her, her name used to be Clark. Um, you know, Cece and I are talking about Um, our lives growing up as kids and and starting our selling career when we were very young children. So I've been selling a lot uh, in my life. And technically speaking, sales would be a division of, um, you know, would be a sub-segment of overall marketing. If you were going to, uh, you know, get a master's degree in sales, you would technically be getting a master's degree, um, an MBA in marketing. Um, So without going too deep into that kind of stuff, there's an ongoing debate between selling and marketing. And, um, you know, and it goes back and forth. And there's a lot of things that go out there that can become really bad messages for you. Um, And one of those is, is that you don't ever have to sell. You can just have great marketing and it'll sell itself. Well, I hate to tell you this, but there is in the end selling. And, um, you know, really selling is sharing. Selling is just simply uh, having a mindset of service and then giving the people um, a way that you can serve them. At the end of the day, that's really the best way to define selling to people. It doesn't have anything to do with the tricks and tactics that you may have heard or seen from quote-unquote slick salespeople. Um, It just simply is being in an attitude of service and then offering the service that you have to the people and allowing them the ability to make a decision. So a perfect example of that kind of selling would be at the end of a blog post. Facebook post could be the same, even a tweet. Um, In order to really be effective 
in your online messaging, you need to make sure that you give the people an action to take. And by and I do mean an action because if you start uh, you know flooding it with you know you could go do this or you could go do that or you could go do this. Um, statistically speaking, if we give people more than three choices, they'll shut down and they won't be able to choose. But also uh, when we give them multiple choices, it makes it harder for them to know which way to go. So if, for example, you have a message that you want to tell a person in a blog post, in a Facebook message, whatever, um, and halfway through you have a link to an article that was written that backs up what you're saying, um, as important as it is for you to uh, give credit to the person whose material you're taking, you need to understand that that's giving the people a action that they can take to click on that and move away from what you're saying. Um, and sometimes that's best. Sometimes we write posts that are intentionally designed to get people to click on that. Other times, um, you know, we have an action that we want them to take. You know, I was reading today in New York Times and it said, you know, XYZ. And, um, you know, you, you've got the data on there and so you've identified what it is, but you didn't actually put a link to the whole article because it was just a little segment in there that uh, really caught your attention. And what you want to draw attention to the people is, is this one thing. And by doing this thing, um, you know, it can help improve your business. So in the case of what we're talking about here, by making sure that when you're writing for the internet, that you do put a clear, concise action, you choose one and you make it so that the people know what you want for them to do next. And then you give them something to do next. That doesn't have to be a selling thing. It could be a, you know, I would really love for you to also read my article where I talk in more detail about why word of mouth isn't the best form of advertising. Click here to go do that. You know, um, it could be as, as simple as that. Um, you know, so it could be just to re-engage deep, uh, more deeply with the people. Um, but you need to give them an action. You don't want to say, here's the 20 posts I've written this week or this month about marketing and all the different things you can learn. And, you know, here's a bullet list of all of them, um, you know, and, and you click on any of them. That's, you know, I could see where every once in a while you could do a digest form of, you know, over the course of the last six months, we've talked about all these different things. And here's a link to all my different articles. That would be a totally different conversation for a different day. Um, but for the most part, you want to give them a choice, make it really clear, and then, you know, give them the ability to take that choice easily. Um, that's where links or buttons, you know, right there in the sidebar of uh, what you're writing on or, or what have you are very easy. Make it very simple, very clear. Um, and allow the person the ability to be able to make that choice and take that action easily. And that is really, really powerful selling. And again, like I said, it doesn't have to be that they gave you money after that. It could just simply be that you're creating a relationship with them. Um, most of you that are listening have probably dated, possibly even still are. Hopefully if you're in a relationship, you're still dating your spouse. Um, you know, that's important still, even though you're together and you're committed forever to, you know, to still date each other and like each other. And, and, um, what you, what we all know in the dating relationship is, is that, um, you know, it, it's a process. You get to know each other better and better. My wife and I, as of the time of the recording of this, just recently celebrated our 16th anniversary, probably one of the craziest, weirdest anniversaries we've ever had, um, you know, and uh, not in a bad way, just, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in our personal life right now with our poor daughter being so sick, and and I appreciate all of you that have been supporting us in that. But during, through the process of that, um, you know, our 16th anniversary that day came up and it, you know, it happened whether, you know, whether we really had the time to focus on it or not. But what we do know is, is that we, um, you know, we get to know each other better and better all the time. We're still learning about each other, even after 16 years. Um, it's amazing sometimes how uh, out of the comfortability of knowing each other very well, we discover something new about one another.
And uh, we learn how to be able to communicate and how to talk and how to be partners on a more uh, powerful level each day, each month, each year that goes by. Um, and so, and that really is all that selling is. It's, it's a matter of sharing with the person the information in such a way that they want to engage on a deeper level with you. Some of you are thinking about that relationship that you're in and you're like, wait a minute, I just sold my my husband, my wife. Oh, absolutely you did. You know, dating, marriage, commitment. Those are probably some of the biggest sales that are ever made in the world. Um, in comparison to that, deciding to buy a stick of gum at the grocery store. See what I mean? Big difference. Um, you know, and so when we talk about the concept of sales and marketing, we need to understand that at the end of the day, nothing happens until something is sold. Um, you know, Errol Abramson, that's one of his key phrases that he says all the time. And it's very true. Because if somebody doesn't sell you something, then you don't have something. The perfect example of that is, think about it in a restaurant. Um, and you'll be mindful of this next time you go into a restaurant. Um, either yourself, somebody in your party, or somebody at a table next to you, you're going to hear them say, can I have a Coke? If you happen to be at one of the restaurants that doesn't sell Coke, um, even though, and it may even be sometimes that you didn't really mean to say you want a Coke, you really wanted whatever, Sprite or, you know, something else. But often we say, I want a Coke. That's just kind of... Um, one of those words that's part of our vocabulary these days. And so when you're at that restaurant that doesn't happen to stock Coke products, the waitress does something. She says, we have Pepsi, is that okay? Now I want you to understand the nuance of that because there's a huge thing that's happening in that situation that most of the time we completely take for granted and we don't realize that it's selling. Because if the person says, yeah, sure, that's fine. Or if the person says, well, do you have Mountain Dew, which is a Pepsi product? Um, you know, that kind of a thing. That engages in the sales process. If the waitress just simply said, sorry, we don't have Coke. And didn't ask them if they wanted anything else to drink they probably are not going to on their own. There's a few people that would, but the average person is just gonna end up drinking water or drinking nothing through the whole meal because something as simple as suggesting something else didn't happen. That suggestion is completely and totally a sales tactic. Now here's where marketing is powerful because the person asked for a Coke because Coca-Cola rules when it comes to the largest brand recognition in the world. Absolutely. I mean, even Oprah wishes she had Coca-Cola's brand recognition and she's got some powerful brand recognition. Um, it's from that marketing, the advertising that was done that the person asks for a Coke. It's why when we uh, when we sneeze and we need a tissue, a facial tissue, we typically ask somebody if they can give us a Kleenex. Kleenex is actually a brand name. But because it's so much part of our vocabulary, words like, can I have a Coke? Would you hand me a Kleenex? Things like that are part of the way we communicate as people. And that has 100% to do with the core of what marketing is, with brand messaging, to the point where the holy grail for all of us is that our product, good or service, becomes part of the general genre um, vocabulary of people in general society. We all want to be at that place. And I hope someday your brand does become that level of popular. But in the meantime, we need sales. Because when our brand isn't that popular, we need that waitress to say, 
We don't have Coke. Would you like a Pepsi? We don't have Coke. Would you like RC Cola? I mean, some of you probably don't even know what RC Cola is. It happens to be my mom's favorite, which is the only reason why I know what it is. But we need that sales. We need marketing. Don't get me wrong. You want that level of branding for your company. But don't ever discount that you can just build it and they will come. People absolutely do need to be sold. People like to be sold. Just think about it. If you've ever fallen in love before, think about how great it feels to have somebody become almost a, in a way a part of you. You know, if you're married, you know totally what I mean by that one. And to engage with you at that level. It is absolutely 100% a sales process because let's face it, those of us that are married, we will all tell you nobody in their right mind actually wants to, you know, share a bathroom. You know, all of the kind of things that we love and we put, we do with our spouse that they aren't normal, you know. They happen because we love them, because we're committed to them. You're not just going to go down on the street with a normal, with a, you know, some person you just met and hold their hair while they puke you will do that for somebody you love that's that connection that sharing and in the end um you know despite the bad rap the word sales gets that's really what it is it's about connecting with a person at a level that allows you to deepen your relationship and when it comes to our businesses the deepening of our relationship is when a person engages with our product, good, or service and allows us to provide that product, good, or service to them. So, because I faux pod last time, I'm going to try not to this time as we head into this commercial break. I want you to simply put out a post that says, I like being sold. Hashtag thriving entrepreneur. Because you know you do. Because you like falling in love, right? You love that person that's that special, significant other in you. So in that spirit, I like... No, no, no. I'm sorry. I love being sold. Hashtag thriving entrepreneur. You do that during this commercial break, and we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to We Help youthrive.com check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today welcome back to thriving entrepreneur this is steve welcome back thanks for listening to thriving entrepreneur today we've been talking about some some myths some things that maybe you don't understand that we can help you so that you can really thrive in your business. Um, and so next I want to deal with uh, you know some stuff that has to do with the publishing industry. And I'm going to try to be mindful of the break that's coming up here in another you know, little bit. Um, if I talk straight through it because I'm passionate about this, I apologize in advance. But I love, I love helping people become best-selling authors. Kathy and I love being part of the lives of people who are being part of the lives of people that are helping change the world. There are millions of people, because we know that 80,000 people got co copies of the book, 
the first today in 2016 of those books. You know, and we've done more than that this year, and we haven't tracked any of those people beyond just day one. Um, you know, so there are already millions of people whose lives have been affected by what we do, and we are so honored to be part of that. Um, and we love being part of the, the uh, publishing industry. But it's important to note, Kid Marketing is a marketing company with a strong publishing background, and we always approach things from that marketing concept, from the concept of what's going to help you best to build your business. Um, Dr. Joy, who was on my show way early, way back, it's a January of uh, 20, uh, that would be 2015 episode, I think, um, if I'm remembering correctly. Anyway, it would have been one of the first probably 10 episodes I did, Dr. Donald Joy, um, who is Professor Emeritus at Asbury Theological Seminary and has written thousands of articles, and he has about 40-some-plus books that are published. Um, and he point blank said on the show, there's no money to be made in writing books anymore. Um, you know, and it's just, it's a different industry. It is about the authority that you can gain, the need that your business has for you as a bestseller. It's just a foundational element. And so we approach that from a marketing standpoint. We can tell you that there's such a night and day difference between Joe, who is great at what he does, and international best-selling author Joe, who is great as what he is. You know, Carl Michelle, who I'm sure you've read his book, 365 Hip Hop. Great book. If you haven't picked it up, you got to. Um, you know, Carl said, he goes, you know, you can no longer introduce me as Carl Michelle. I am international best-selling author Carl Michelle. And it's made all the difference in his life. You know, you've probably heard Kathy or I tell, um, you know, Carl went from not being able to get people to return his phone calls to now that his book has published is an international best-selling author. Um, you know, he charges $2,000 for speaking gigs, gets it all the time. He was booked up for all the slots he had available for 2017 in February of 2017. So, um, you know, it's important. It's, it's good to know, good to make note of the fact that, you know, when you want to show up powerfully in what you're meant to do in the world, um, that book, that best-selling book, is one of those foundational pieces. You know, the foundation of your house is not something that's super sexy. You know, you don't, like, bring people over to your house and go, you got to look at the foundation on this house. It is freaking awesome. You know, I want to sell this house to you. I mean, imagine a realtor. She's like, you know, I am going to charge you millions of dollars for this house because it has a really sexy foundation. It's just not something that you usually hear in the typical real estate pitch. But you want your house to have a good foundation. If your house had a crack in the foundation, you'd get it fixed. If you were renting a house and you found out that it had a flawed, faulty foundation, you would either move out or you would, uh, you know, require it to be fixed. Same thing's true with your business. And that is what being a best-selling author will do for you. Um, you know, and so when it comes to the publishing industry, we have a lot of thoughts in mind. We've all seen TV shows and movies for years that talk about writing the great American novel. And so when 80% plus of the people in the world say that they want to write a book, um, a lot of them have been sparked by, you know, so-and-so who quit their job and they're now writing their great American novel. Um, and back in the day, you know, people would get, uh, you know, people with the right background or the right marketing, you know, they would get large advances um, to be able to quit their job and, and write full-time. Um, and it does happen a little bit still today. Lisa Nichols, her latest book, well, as of when I'm recording this, I'm sure Lisa will do more books, um, is called Abundance Now, and Abundance Now, she did receive a very sizable um, advance for that. It was based 100% on the fact that Lisa presented to the publishing company um, 
a marketing plan that showed how she was going to sell hundreds of thousands of copies of the book. And so it was a no-brainer for them. They were like, okay, this person's last book sold X number of thousands or hundreds of thousands of copies. Um, and she's been part of The Secret. And she's been on Oprah twice and Larry King. Okay, you know, that makes sense. You know, if Tony Robbins brings a book to a publisher, the publisher is going to, uh, you know, consider that to be legitimate. And they're going to figure Tony probably knows what he's talking about. They're going to publish his book and they're probably going to pay him in advance for, you know, for the book before it ever comes out. They're going to compete in the marketplace to get his business, um, you know, and... and you know, when you start talking about people at that level, they may actually even be in a bidding war between multiple publishing companies to get their business. Most of us aren't in that world. Most of us live in the world where the truth of the matter is, um, I read an article the other day that said that you can actually make more money selling books by selling copies of Robert Kiyosaki's book and Tony Robbins' book online through an Amazon affiliate than you would selling your own book on Amazon or in live and in person. It's just, you know, there isn't a lot of actual dollars per book. You know, you make a dollar or so per book. To make a million dollars, that's a lot of books you've got to sell. Now, on the other hand, if you're selling a program that's $1,000, that's a thousand times less people that you have to sell that to. In other words, instead of selling to a million people, you only have to sell to a thousand and you can make a million bucks at a thousand dollars each. I think I did my math there. I did it in my head right now while I was talking, so I think I'm right though. <laughs> um, you know, and it's just that kind of a thing. So you want to know what your book is for. But the publishing companies still have us convinced about that great American novel, The American Dream of the Writing of the Book. And there are, I want to say a lot, I, I could probably even get away with saying most of the people that are working in the publishing industry that are going to come to you with that mindset, they're going to be talking to you about the money you're going to make from your book. And they're going to talk to you about things like, you know, your book needs to be a certain length in order for it to be a quote-unquote real book. Um, and those kind of things all start coming up. So let's see if we can attack a few of those myths. Um, number one is the 300 to 350 page book. Um, you know, the only reason why books ever became that long was because publishing companies discovered that they could retail sell or wholesale to book sale, bookstores sell, really, actually, in their case. They could sell the books for more if they were 300-plus pages than they could if they were 50. You know, they could just, they can put a price tag on that at a higher value, therefore making themselves more money. They don't, they haven't really ever paid the author any more per book sell but what they have done is, because it's good for their business, keep in mind that in the end, a, a, a traditional publishing company, they're, you know, they're in business to make money selling books. It's what they do. And so they want to have your book um, on their repertoire so they can sell it and they can make money from it. They're not really a charity where they're like, you know, we want to put out this person's book because we want to see if we can make, you know, a hundred people millionaires or a thousand people or a million people millionaires. They just simply, you know, are dollars and cents. Can we sell this book for enough to make it worth our while? That's why it became, it's become very, very popular, you know, for 5000 10000 especially $25,000 packages that include, you know, a couple hundred books with it or what have you. Um, you know, and they will uh, help you publish your book, you know, and you do all the writing. Uh, maybe they help you with the, uh, maybe they help you with the marketing. Uh, maybe they don't, especially if it's one of the $5,000 packages. But in the end, what they're really doing is they're selling to you that certain number of copies of books. Their whole business model is predicated, again, on selling books. 
In this case, the person they're selling the books to is you. So that's why books became that long. That's why the 300, 350 page book um, is. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, a version or versions of it have existed for years. Um, you know, it was originally like 50 pages. It's been in all kinds of books, all kinds of publications, made movies, all of that kind of stuff. Um, 50 pages. It was, it was originally released as part of a collection of short stories because the book needed to be 300 pages. And back in the days of the early printing press, um, you know, you needed to have a certain amount in order to be able to print the book and bind it. All of those are realities that don't exist anymore. Um, and so you really want to know what's the most impactful. It becomes those short read books. They really are what people have always wanted. And they're what people really do. Um, the movie Brokeback Mountain, I've never seen it myself, but I do know statistically it's based off of a book that's 50-some-odd pages. It expanded up to, I think, like 68 pages or something for the screenplay. Very short read. Um, Stephen King wrote a book uh, that's 25 pages. Um, and, and on and on, the list goes on. Short reads are what we, especially in modern society, you got to think about it. How many 140-character tweets are you used to reading? When you look at a, at a Facebook post and the person scrolls, you know, they're talking long enough that it goes down and you have to hit the read more button, how many of those do you just like, you know, you kind of read to the point where it gets to the read more and you just go on? That is how we consume content now. Just is how it is. And what we want to do is rather than fight it, we want to just embrace it, acknowledge that's how it is, and then give the people the kind of book they want. So when somebody tells you, well, your book is a short read and it's not a real book, um, you know, just roll your eyes at them. <laughs> no, seriously. Your book is legitimate. If you want to see the most legitimate version of that, go pick up the six-page book, Marketing in Less Than a Thousand Words. It's, I kid you not, 999 words, maybe one of the best books on marketing you'll ever read in your whole life. And it will show you in spades that a short read is very, very powerful. And then in the end, it really just has to do with taking a point, making it really clear, and then giving the people an action that they can take from the point you were making. So I hope that you won't uh, feel pressured into having to, have to buy into your book being a real book, but you'll simply just take a point, make it really clear for the reader, and then give them the action that they can take from that. That's what we really need. We don't need more words just for word's sake. We need things that'll help us, empower us in life, so that we can be the best version of ourselves. And we need your message to be out there. That way, you can live as a thriving entrepreneur, and all of us can live as thriving entrepreneurs. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. 
This is Steve. Welcome back. Hey, look, I did it. I did take the last break. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to get on a rant and not think to take that break or not, but I did, and I'm proud of me, um, and I appreciate you sticking with me through this whole entire episode. I know a lot of times, almost all of the time, we have one or more guests on the show, but I just really, I didn't want to replay for you this week. I wanted to give you something that was fresh, new, full of information, and could help you really live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Because at the end of the day, I can tell you that's really what Kathy and I want for you. We want to see you thrive. You know, we registered the the, the domain name, wehelpyouthrive.com, on purpose because that's what we want you to do. We know, you know, because 80% of the people in the world want to write a book. So probably, if you're listening, um, you probably want to write a book. We also know that only about 5% of those actually end up ever writing a book. And so we know that it's pretty likely that you haven't written that book yet. And we want to help because your message is important. We want to share you with the world. We want you to live as a thriving entrepreneur so that you can share that thriving on with somebody else and they can live as a thriving entrepreneur. I am absolutely convinced that if all of us did what we were meant to do in this world, wholeheartedly with all of ourselves, that all the problems that the planet has could absolutely 100% be cured just simply by all of us being the best version of ourselves. Now, I'm not young enough anymore, I suppose is probably the right word, to believe that that's going to happen 100% across the board. There are people who are not committed to being the best version of themselves. And there isn't much that we can do about that because in the end, the only person that we can control in life is ourselves. Um, but what I do know is, is that we can control ourselves. Therefore, we can have the messaging, have what it takes, do the things that are necessary to make our responsibility, our thing, what we were put into the world for, to make it powerful and effective in this world. I know that if you are willing to show up, that your gift will show up with you, and that your gift will make room for you in the world. Some of us have giftings like Billy Graham's mom, where our gifting is so supportive and yet it changes the world. Other people are, you know, an Oprah. And their voice is heard by seemingly everyone and makes a huge impactful difference. But each and every single one of those is important. Oprah talks about her second grade teacher and about without, how without her, Oprah wouldn't be who she is. I think her name was Mrs. Duncan, if I remember correctly. And it's without the Mrs. Duncans, we don't get the Oprahs. So whatever your gifting is, it's, it's powerful and it's important and it needs to be shared with the world. It needs to be shared in your little corner of the world, but it also needs to be shared all over the world. Because that very thing that you do, you probably do it so well that you've probably gotten to the place where you discount it. Most of us do. We do what we're meant to do so easily and so well that we just assume everybody else in the world can do it too, when in fact that's not the truth at all. And so you really do need to share your message with the world. And that's why Kathy and I created Best Sellers Guild. If you just simply go to bestsellersguild.com, it'll take you to our free Facebook group. Right there from the Facebook group, you can join. You know, we there's no charge for that. It's an international group with members all over the world who have one thing in common, and that's that they want to share their message with the world. And as long as you're going to write a book, why not make it a bestseller? Sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, A, doesn't that sound kind of cool? And B, why not? I'm so excited because, um, you know, here at our uh, 
2017 Black Friday extravaganza, my granddaughter Tia, she put out her first book and became an international best-selling author. She's so excited about it. She has all kinds of business plans. She's actually showing all of us up in business by um, now having plans for how she can sell autographed copies of her book and bracelets that go with it. And she's working on her second book and you know, unless you're listening live, by the time you hear this, she's probably going to have a whole stock of books. She's probably going to be the next Laura Ingalls Wilder or, uh, you know, Oprah or whatever. Um, she has a voice and it matters. And even though she's only eight right now, she's not waiting. And that's what I encourage you to do, too. It doesn't matter what level your life experience, your knowledge it doesn't matter any of that. You are who you are and you are where you are right now. And that is important and it needs to be shared. It needs to be shared with the world. That'll make our world a better place. And the place to start with is just simply joining us at bestsellersguild.com and begin to start seeing how you can share your message with the world how you can make our world a little bit better of a place because you're in it and you're in it fully and able to share with the rest of the world your stuff, your message, your unique brilliance. You are important. You are so necessary. I'm grateful that you're here, that you've listened. That at the end of all of my talking in this whole show, hopefully I didn't bore you, that you're still here at the end. If you're already a member of Bestsellers Guild, thank you. I appreciate that. And if you're not, I invite you to come join us. Bestsellersguild.com Make your, your voice, your message be heard. Share that thing that you know so that that person that's out on Google right now, desperate, they may even be crying, looking for what you know how to be able to do because you've come through that and made it through to the other side. You need to share it now so that desperate person that's searching can find it and they too can have a better life. They can live thriving. They can be a thriving entrepreneur. Doesn't that sound awesome? Don't you want to be part of that? Please do join us at bestsellersguild.com and let's begin the conversation of how your voice, your message, that thing that you were meant to do in the world can be shared. Because you are uniquely brilliant. There is nobody else in this world like you. You were created for a purpose. No matter how it may feel today, you're not an accident. There's a purpose, a reason, and a plan for you. The world, it needs you. Nobody else can fill that space that is meant for you. Because nobody else on this planet can ever be you. I want you to know that Kathy and I are here to help you live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Until next time, I hope you'll have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. 
It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.